On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Climbers, we got another Nashville Nights International Songwriting Festival interview with a hit songwriter, Sir Scott Sean White. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is the key in the new music business. You're not gonna be plucked out of obscurity. The, the big company isn't gonna make it happen for you. You've got to make it happen for yourself. That's the bad news. The good news is you don't need anybody's permission. You just need to create leverage in the music business. C-L-I-M-B. Brilliant. Uh-huh. That's a Baxter from my co-host and good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's also a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in the last 18 months in Southern Gospel, making miracles happen in so many different levels. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then ultimately get you connected to the pros with those mission-critical relationships that are going to get you to climb up the ladder. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Look, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Johnny. Nashville Nights International Songwriter Festival 2021. Thanks, Johnny. Got boogers in my nose. <laughs> that would be B-roll. <laughs> I'd be like, man, that interview was great, except... <laughs> Except for that, oh, you got a, a sweat ball from your nose. Remember that routine? Man, I wish we could have used that. All right, it's uh, Johnny D from the Climb Show Music Business Podcast on American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network. We are live at the Nashville Nights International Songwriting Festival in Odense, Denmark, September 17th through the 19th. This is the first day of the festival. And I have managed to corral hit songwriter, Mr. Scott Sean White from Poetry, Texas. Yes, I live in Poetry, Texas. Of all places. I have an artist For a songwriter, huh? from Poetry, Texas. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. No I have way. To, got to connect you to. <laughs> yeah, well, I heard Ray Wiley Hubbard lived there for a little while, too. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's See, I, I never heard of it before I started working with this artist. Yeah. That's, that's pretty That's crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. So... Come on. Um, yeah, great family, by the way. They're the Wittens. I'll, I'll turn you on to them. They're oh, yeah. Killer family. They got horses, the whole thing. And it's yeah. just like, oh, come on in. And yeah. your, your family, as soon as you walk through the door, those kind of people. Yeah, we, we all got horses and dogs and guns out there. <laughs> so, before we get into the festival here, just kind of tell us a, a little bit about like where you came from and, and what your journey was to, to get here. Uh, you know, I grew up in Kerrville, Texas. 
and um, I had a I had just a crazy childhood. And when I say that, I mean one of those uh, dysfunctional uh, all adults were alcoholics and or drug addicts. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of violence, um, all that stuff. And um, so I think ultimately um, that led me to country music and wanting to write country music in my 30s. By the time I really was dealing with everything that happened in my childhood, it made me want to tell stories about it. And um, I believe it or not, I wrote and produced hip hop and R&B for oh. almost 20 years before that. But these stories I couldn't tell. In that genre, obviously, you know, and so, um, so I made my first trip to Nashville in 2005. I mean, literally immediately fell in love with the town. Um, I told my wife on the way back from Nashville, that first trip, I said, uh, I think I need to start coming here once a month. And she said, yeah, I think you do too. And so, um, I got my first publishing deal in 2007, uh, which I was totally not ready for. Um, I was, How so? uh, as I like to say, I accidentally wrote a good song every now and then back then. Okay. <laughs> like, you, you oh, man, sure. here's a good song. You weren't sure, like, why you were doing it no, right? No, I didn't. Like, but man, you did get it right once Yeah, Every now and then I lucked out. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, and then they went out of business in 2008. I like to say that I put them out of business. And, um, and then I just kept making the trips. Uh, I'm on my second publishing deal now okay. with an independent guy, independent guy named Steve Block. And then... Um, you know, I just got these uh, two Cody Johnson cuts that are coming out October 8th on his new double album called Human. Okay. Um, and it's that's a great been, story about it's been a blessing. Cut, uh, God bless the boy. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell that story if you don't mind. The, the, the story about how the song got written or yeah, how we got the cuts or both? Both. Okay. Yeah. The song we wrote, um, we were, Terry Joe and I were at Barrett's house that day. Uh, to write Barrett Baber, Barrett Baber, and yeah. beast of a songwriter and singer, and um, he was upstairs as he tells the story. He's upstairs getting his three year old ready for daycare, his three year old daughter, mm -hmm. and um, and he's trying to convince her not to wear high heels to daycare, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which would be like her mama's high heels, <laughs> right? Right. And um, so at some point, understandably, during that process, he goes, "God bless the boy." <laughs> And so Terry Joe and I are waiting downstairs. He gets her off to daycare. He comes downstairs. He goes, hey, how about, how about we write God Bless the Boy about my daughter? Which was perfect for me because I have two daughters. Mine are a little further down the road. Mine are 31 and 28. Okay. Uh, his is seven now. She was three when we wrote the song. And, um, and so we wrote it that day and, and didn't you know, fully know what we had until we came back around to it, did a work tape on it a few weeks later, and we were like... Hey, um, there's uh, there's there's some Something going on here. There's some magic in there, you know. And one of the things, um, you know, it's definitely got some of Barrett's daughter in it. It's got some of my two daughters in it. Another thing it definitely has in it is, you know, my wife and I have been married for 31 years. Ooh, and thank you. Um, and when you've been married that long, and I don't know how it is with sons, but because I only have daughters, so I'll speak for the the girl dads out there. My wife and I prayed really hard for the, our girls to find a good man. I mean, you pray really hard. And that's definitely uh, in the song. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, one, one of my favorite so. things about it. I heard you play it last night at the pre-opening show at the festival. That was great. Thanks. Now, how'd you get the cut? Because this is like another pretty good story, too, the way Blue Foley tells it. <laughs> well, well, let's see if Blue got the story right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Here's, here's the real story, which is amazing. So either way, Blue's are mine. But um, 
I went to a songwriting contest in Austin, Texas in 2018, hosted by Jack Ingram, Liz Rose, and Sean Camp. Okay. It's called Texas Songwriter U. And um, I went down there. Uh, I met this guy named Jesse Robb Jr. Uh, he also had some really good songs. He's a Texas artist, just had his eighth number one in Texas. Okay. So we went down, I went down there. I usually entered contests like that one. I just wanted to meet Jack, hang out with Liz Rose a little bit more. I'd met her several times over the years in Nashville and meet Sean Camp. And it was a three-day thing. I was mm-hmm. like, let's go hang, right? And I wasn't, didn't care if I won or not until the last day and I didn't win. Then I was pissed. <laughs> which is just, which in the middle of it, I'm like, you, this is just stupid. This is pride. This is foolishness. Yeah. But I couldn't help it. But I was, I'm butthurt. I'm, I'm mad butthurt as, I am butthurt, right? <laughs> so, but the great, that's, I have to tell you that so the story will be as beautiful as it is, which is, so Jesse Robb Jr. and I, he's like, hey man, we should write. I was like, cool. So we started this song called Made a Home. Mm-hmm. Over the phone, I was on my porch in Poetry, Texas. He was at his house in Magnolia, Texas. We started this thing. I didn't know he knew Cody Johnson. Mm-hmm. He calls me a couple weeks later. He goes, hey, man, I was at, I was at dinner at Cody's house a couple week, uh, last night, and I played him that song we started. He loves it. I said, cool. Um, Cody who? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, who's your random buddy, Cody? Yeah. And he goes, Cody Johnson. I said, Cody Johnson? He goes, yeah, man, we've been friends for years. I go for dinner all the time. I'm like, okay. So... Long story short, Cody got involved on that song. He loved it so much. He got involved, and and we all finished it. And that's what also led to him hearing God Bless a Boy on his bus in Nacogdoches, Texas. Jesse played it for him on his bus in Nacogdoches, Texas. And the reason I tell you the songwriter uh, contest part is because if you listen to any of my record or really any of my songs, if you see me play, you're very aware that I am a, uh, let's see, Jesus freak, uh, Jesus follower. I, I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when I lost that contest, I feel like the Lord was looking at me, smiling, shaking his head a little bit and going, bless your heart. I didn't bring you down here to win some stupid songwriting contest. <laughs> yeah, I brought you down here to get you two Cody Johnson cuts three nice. years from now. Nice. Isn't yeah. that great? It always kind of works that way. It always, it he always has a bigger, better plan than our foolishness. So I'm thankful. That's true. I mean, you know, that happened to me. Like with, um, I had started out as an artist first, toured for seven years in a hair band. We went far, and and then they pulled up the needle on that mm-hmm. genre, and yeah. it was over. So I started this other journey outside of the music industry through through business. And the last industry I was in was the financial industry. Yeah. And that ended in 2008 with the huge meltdown. Mm-hmm. So that was me trying to adult. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. I just remember like thinking, well, I can get this kind of kind of chaos doing what I love to do and hanging out with the yeah. people that I love to hang out with, right. which are artists and people in the music industry. So I, I tell people it's like a horrible, tra- tragic story, but it's it was a blessing. Yeah. Straight up was a blessing. It, it was. Like, and I remember I, even my dad, I mean, telling me, it was just like, what I told him, like, I'm going back to Nashville. I'm going to go do this. He goes, oh, you, you done chasing the dollar? <laughs> That's awesome. And exactly. Like, yeah. And he goes, because oh. you're pretty good at it. But you know, like, I didn't know what the hell you were up to because you always, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, I didn't choose music. It chose me yeah. kind of the same way it chose exactly. you. Exactly. So I love that story. Um, and so the part you didn't tell about the story uh, was when you're, who was the, uh, uh, 
who was the friend of Cody? Um, Jesse Robb Jr. Jesse Robb Jr. starts to play that song minutes before Cody's going to walk on stage. Oh, yeah. And they get up to the first chorus, and he's like, stop, 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 stop. I can't. I got to go walk out in front of a boatload of people right now. Right. And I got to perform, and I can't be welling up, like, because he started to well up yeah. on this song. And he's like, I'm, we're going to listen to that after the show. Yeah. And, and, and so. Cause he has, shooting, he has two daughters. Yeah. And so yeah, cause it just got him right in the feels, you know? Mm-hmm. So sure. Shooting, they came back, but then she's like, yeah, we're going to have to cut that. You yeah. know, just like, and it's that kind of song that makes you, yeah. I don't have any daughters and it gives me the feels like that. It's like, yeah. holy cow. That's a great twist. And what awesome. a beautiful, what a beautiful song. And, and, and the story behind it is equally interesting. That brings us into what this festival is about. So, yeah. Nashville Nights International Songwriters Festival, first one. It's in Odense, Denmark. And we're bringing, uh, if you've been in Nashville and you've, you've seen that songwriting experience, by the way, same thing for me, that's what got me to Nashville. So mm-hmm. the, the, the Allman Brothers brought my band from Wisconsin down to Florida. And that's yeah. where we would kind of cut our teeth and learn that, you know, we weren't as good as we thought we were. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> Nashville would do that to you. Woo! No, this was in Florida. They brought well, us yeah, to Florida. But, but still, there's, so, there's a scene that'll do that to everybody. Yeah, where you just get handed your, you know, ass on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so it was halfway between Sarasota, Florida, when everything ended, I was coming home. And where I lived was Nashville. So this is like a Monday night, mid-90s. I've never been in Nashville in my life. I'm staying at a hotel uh, right off the 24, pick up the Nashville scene, point to a writer's Now I'm going to go see what this is about. Mm-hmm. And I go to this place called the Courtyard Cafe, which mm-hmm. is this old sort of dumpy bar, like in a strip mall. Yeah. And I walk in, and, <laughs> and it's no big thing going on. I mean, just a normal amount of people you'd expect on a Monday night in yeah. a strip bar. But there's a writer's night, and just so happens that that night, three writers up on stage, you got to be up there, you got to have a number one. So now I'm a rock guy. I'm a hair band guy, right? right? I don't listen to country except for what I listened to growing up or whatever right. from my parents. I don't know who those three guys are. I have no idea who the artists are that made those songs famous, but yeah. I know every one of those songs. Yeah. It was Earl Budley um, with Friends in Low Places, and I don't remember the other cat, but oh, he wrote like a bunch of Eddie Rabbit right. hits. I'm like, are you kidding? This is a Monday night. Yeah, and, and it's not like a line around the corner. Right. This is this just normal. Just a normal. Just normal. So that's right. what I love about Nashville. So that experience is again, it's a Monday night. It's a it's a it's a Monday night at um, what they used to do that at the Douglas Corner before. It oh closed. yeah. It's a Wednesday night at the Freak Show with Terry yeah. Joe Box's yeah. uh, show at the local, which is also a Friday night. It's um, what is it Thursday at the Commodore? I mean. It's any given yeah. night at the Bluebird. This yeah. is Nashville where you get guys like this behind the big hits telling their stories on how this happened, the relationships that got this on cut, and how it all came together. We're, we've brought that. I say we. When I say we, I mean uh, Blues Foley yeah. and, and Stefan Moore brought that to Europe and in Denmark, and these people are eating it up and it's such yeah, it's a good time a, can amazing. you just share like the you've had your first sort of performance already last night yeah. the pre-opening show talk a little bit about start with how you how'd you get on the festival and then talk to me about that first episode how it felt and let's talk about how many more shows you got coming up hey pantheon listeners christian swain here you caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with john and beth I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. 
I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Well, you know, something you just said, a word you just said, uh, relationships. People don't realize that that really everything in life is about relationships. But Nashville in particular and music business and getting your songs cut is all about relationships. So that's A, how you get songs cut is relationships. A relationship with Blue Foley mm-hmm. and with Terry Joe Box. But, you know, Blue Foley being the, one of the point people on this festival, mm-hmm. um, that's how I, you know, he six months ago, he's like, hey, you want to go to Denmark? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. What, what are we doing? Okay, when are we going? You know? <laughs> It'd be funny if he's like, hey, you want to go to Denmark? Like, yes. You, to kill some people? <laughs> No, okay. no I, knew, I knew what it was because I had had friends already come over, and so I was like, I was like, okay, cool. And um, it's uh, it's my first time over the ocean, okay. and it's crazy to think. And I, I put this on social media a couple of days ago. It's crazy to think that really it wasn't it wasn't my ten hour drive to Nashville from poetry on Sunday uh, in my car. It wasn't. The three different planes we were on, including the biggest plane I've ever been on. Lord, that was a big plane. You got three rows. Yeah, golly. <laughs> and um, uh, it wasn't any of those things that brought me here. It was these songs that that God has given me and gives me that I brought that. me over this ocean. I never thought about it that way. You know, and, and the relationships. Um, and so they they go hand in hand. They 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 work together. You know, you gotta you gotta learn how to write. Great songs, which is boy, it's a butt whooping. But you know, it is. <laughs> but, it is those songs, though, because you have the relationships because of those songs. Right. If you weren't writing good songs and you were, let's say, a master plumber, you're going to have different relationships right. than these ones. You know what right. I mean? And that's all it boils down to. Right. It's the circles that you run in. But right. I, I never thought about it that way. That is, you know, we talk about that all the time on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and my co-writer is a hit songwriter named Brent Baxter. He did Monday yeah. Morning Church. Oh, yeah. For, you know, Ooh, right? What a song. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is, we're always talking about the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting and stuff. So uh, that, he's, we're going to want to steal that. That's good. It's the songs yeah. that yeah. took you here. It is. So last night's performance. Because, I mean, Blue loves me. But yeah. if my song sucked, he would <laughs> He'd have been like, hey, man, uh, we're going to Denmark. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you got to, I mean, you still got to deliver the show yeah, no matter how good a friend you are. You know, exactly. true, true enough on that. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about that first performance last night. How'd that feel? That's your first performance overseas, or did you do it some is. of the ones in Copenhagen? No, that's my first performance overseas. In a, Big moment? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I played the song probably 10 clicks fast because I was a little nervous. 
Yeah. Um, and I tried to slow it you'll down. You'll have that, though. You'll yeah, have you'll that. have that a little bit. But that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good that's thing. Right. And just the audience. Um, it I, felt right from the audience. Just FYI. It felt, it felt really good. Oh, yeah. And uh, Well, thank you. The, and, fi- the, uh, the, the tempo, the feeling. Well, I was about to talk about just the feeling of the audience, too, because um, I played the Kerrville Folk Festival a few years ago, uh, which was kind of crazy because I grew up there and— had a bunch of terrible memories in Kerrville. And I went and played the festival, replaced... I, I got some good memories of Kerrville. That was awesome. But the the correlation between that festival and this, for me, was that the Kerrville Folk Festival is a bunch of hippies, and I mean that in the best way. A bunch of hippies who love songs and songwriters. Yeah. I mean, love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get the same feeling from the audience here last night. Nice. It was really cool. And there is a, it's... I, I wish... Like some of the songwriting writer night venues in Nashville would be as cool as that audience. Right. 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 They're just like, Mm -hmm. I just jaw open and taking in every word. Yeah. And it was so special because all the writers that were um, that were up there when they had that mic drop. Yeah. Line Mm -hmm. in the song. But everybody reacts in the middle of the song. Whoa. What? Right. Like, right. I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. You know, or I, now you've set it up and I know what's coming and I can't wait to hear you say right. it because it's just all right. I, you, t- you led me right down the path with mm-hmm. that lyric, with that melody. Yeah. Um, that is killer. So, what now what do you got coming up here for the next couple of days? You're playing tonight. I'm playing tonight. At the, I, I, it looks like it's pronounced Storms. It looks normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, that's an awesome food court. And then I play tomorrow uh, once and then twice on Sunday. Um, my last show on Sunday is with Eric Pasley and uh, uh, Tyler Reeve. Okay. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. And um, just, you know, also catching a little time to go see uh, the city. And yeah. Have eat, you had a chance to eat the food? Yet? And Yeah, I've had a little bit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <clears> to. <throat> I went on, grab some food. I, you know what I had to. I'm a big. Lots of people from Texas don't like sushi. I love sushi. Yeah, uh, I'm from Wisconsin, but I, I want to try it here. I lived in LA for 15 years. Great sushi because you're on a coast, you yeah. know. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, we still got good sushi in Nashville, but I this there's a sushi there, place in the Storms place. There's a sushi place on every block in this. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's, it's an island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, I, we need to cut. Like, they don't. They're not open for lunch though, which is strange. Yeah. So. We're gonna go out and do the dinner thing and make that happen. But yeah, um, so talk a little bit about your project now. When did that come out? Yeah, I put that out April twenty third, um, and it it happened in large part because COVID shut the world down. To be honest with you, um, I I uh, played in a big cover band for twenty nine years, and the last uh, from two thousand five to two thousand eighteen, I was in the band and making these trips back and forth to Nashville. Okay, and then in two thousand eighteen, um, things were picking up with the songwriting thing and it was time to dive head first into that. So I sold the business of the band. And ever since I'd sold the business, I was like, at some point, um, because I was also going to try to do this performing songwriter thing uh, based out of Texas, because there's a big scene for that in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's the Walt Wilkins and the Drew Kennedys and Josh Griders and and even sure. Rodney Foster, although he doesn't live there anymore. Um, you know, folks like that, that there's house concert scene, there's listening rooms, there's, uh, there's all this stuff. And so, but... All the CDs I'd been selling all those years were demos. Right. And I'd sang a few of them, but I don't sound very country. So co-writers would sing them or demo singers. So I was always, from 2018 till you know, COVID, I was like, hey, at some point I got to make a record with my own voice on it. 
you know, to sell that at gigs if I'm going to do this performance songwriting thing. But I never knew when I was going to have the time. I'm in Nashville two weeks a month. I'm playing shows, so I'm gone pretty much three weeks a month. And I was always like, I don't know when the hell I'm going to have the time to record this record. And then COVID shut the world down. Oh, my gosh. And then about three weeks into it, I was like, I have time to start this record. <laughs> okay. And so I did. And um, I uh, I was finished with it. Uh, I kind of took it song by song, one, one song at a time. At some point, I decided to have all Texas singer-songwriters uh, sing the harmonies on it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get Walt Wilkins first, which I think really after you get Walt Wilkins, you're able to just call other people and go, hey, Walt Wilkins agreed to sing on the record. The same record Walt Would Wilkins you like? Is? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so I got Walt and Susan Gibson, who wrote Wide Open Spaces for the Dixie Chicks. I oh, got nice. uh, Walt's wife, Tina Wilkins. I got John Randall okay. sang on my record. Um, right. You know, uh, he wrote Whiskey Lullaby and Tin oh, yeah. Man and mm. just all these, you know, big. Uh, in Texas, songwriters to sing on it. So that was cool. I was done with it in October. Uh, and then it would have come out earlier, but, you know, the people I was working with was like, hey, let's wait till hopefully COVID calms down a little bit, get past the election, because that's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So we picked April and uh, put it out. And um, better for that, too, because you're putting, you're going to be so close to Christmas at that point. I mean, they literally, we're right, in September, yeah. they've already got Christmas tournaments up right. in the big stores right now. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, so um, it worked out great. And, you know, it's a, it's a little songwriter record. I I chose everything about the record from the time I started working on it. I had this voice in my ear that just said two words, be you, mm-hmm. be you. And um, so I just followed that the whole time from the songs I chose they're only songs that mean something to me. There's there's two tempos on the record and nine ballads. <laughs> two tempos and nine ballads? Yeah, two tempos and nine ballads. And I like, I'd like to thank... I don't think I've ever heard that before. Well, hold on. I'd like to thank people like Jamie Johnson and Travis Meadows for doing exactly that. Yeah. I felt like it gave me permission. Okay. And then I'd also like to thank, you know, I don't know either one of the... Well, I kind of know Travis, but I also Love don't him. know Lori McKenna. I, I want to thank people like Lori McKenna, too, and Travis Meadows for... Just being completely themselves. Like, screw, don't worry about radio. Don't worry about anything. Yeah. Just be authentic and be you. And that's what I did, the whole record. And so, uh, in the whole process, the order of the songs, everything. Uh, on the artwork, on the back, there's a Polaroid of me when I was probably eight years old outside the 14 by 10 foot trailer that I, I spent several years uh, growing up in, in Kerrville South. 14 feet by 10 feet. About two of those trailers would fit in the room we're in right yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say that's... We had no running water for two years, no electricity for the first six months. I mean, we were, we were poor as hell. And that Polaroid, I always knew if I made a, made a record, that Polaroid was going to be on the artwork somewhere. Really? And, um... Oh, I got to check it out. So, yeah. So all of it, um... And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the record, and I've had some, some really nice um, folks, uh, particularly my peers... Uh, say some really nice things, so I'm grateful. Well, good, man. I love that, dude. Yeah. You come a long way, baby. Yes. <laughs> so only, right. only 17 years into this songwriting journey. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, listen, it it really doesn't happen unless, and I heard this from Tim Nichols last night. He just said, you know, it's just better. Um, it, it, lots of people choose music, but it's better when music chooses you. Yeah. And when music chooses you, you're not on a on a timeline. You yeah. Know? It's like, you're going to figure out how to survive 
until you can figure out how to survive yeah. making music. And exactly. that's just what it boils down to. So I love that about your story. Man, welcome to Denmark. I mean, yes. man, welcome to Europe. First it's time over, the songs got you there. It's really got to cool. feel like a whole heaping plate of freaking validation, man, mm, uh, yeah, to come crazy. and do that. So enjoy that. Uh, Johnny D for the Climb Show Music Business Podcast. We're broadcasting here live from the Nashville Nights International Songwriting Festival for American Songwriter Magazine and their podcast network, americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. Before we sign off, any one piece of advice you want to give to an aspiring songwriter that you can think of? Somebody walked up to you at one of these festivals, uh, one of these shows at the festival today, and said, hey, man, one thing you tell me as a songwriter, what is it? Don't give up. Best three words in the world. Yeah. I mean, especially if you fall in that category, uh, and you'll know if you fall in the category of music chose you. I, the way I always put that is uh, it's the same exact thing, but the way in my brain, I, and somebody said it to me years ago, I don't, I don't feel like I had a choice. Like music in general, like, um, yeah. you know, I've, I've played music for living 95% of my adult life. And um, and the writing songs thing really became the true focus um, and my true home. But like I don't, I couldn't do anything else. So you, you will, you'll figure out a way to pay the bills. And because, like Jim Carrey said, and you said something similar to it early in the interview about you can do what you hate and fail. Yeah. <laughs> So why not do what you love if if you can? Yeah. I mean, what what's the point? I, I, I get and, and anybody that thinks that life is that there's some sort of you know safety road right. to go or you know what's your fallback thing? Yeah, like, you know, I've heard people that. say that. Like without the band that we had when I was an artist, it was like man, we stormed the island and we burned the effing ships. You right, know? right. Like there's no looking back. We're, there's only one way, and that's through, and that's what we're gonna do. And 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 it was it was because nobody wanted to do anything else. Period. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, okay, if we yeah. keep failing at what we love, then eventually we're gonna figure out how to get something right, right. at what we love. And, and, and I heard L.A. Reid say that, that years ago, back when I was doing hip-hop and R&B, I went to some conference called Impact, and I'm pretty sure it was L.A. Reid. He said, the only people in this business, and I, I think either I, I don't remember him saying this, but the only people with talent, put those two words in there, because mm -hmm. I don't remember him saying that, the only people with talent in this business that don't make it are the ones that quit. Because if you just stay in it there you go. and stay at it, um, it you'll get the relate again. It's relationships. Yeah, the relationships will pay off. You know, I ended up stumbling into this relationship with Je Jesse Robb Jr., um, and that relationship led to the Cody Johnson cuts. And you just never know where those things are going to come from, man. I had never heard of Jesse Robb Jr. before I went to that thing. Yep. You know, and all yeah. of a sudden. Wow. Say that again, though. The only people with talent that aren't in this. That aren't going to. The only people with talent that don't make it in this business um, are the ones that quit. Are the ones that quit. The only people with talent that don't make it in this business are the ones that quit. Right. Yeah. And so for all the bitter artists and songwriters out there who feel like 
you know, my stuff's better than what's on the radio. Well, you're probably right, yeah. you know. And you so probably. why aren't you working? <laughs> you probably are. Well, thank you, man. Thank Scott, you, Sean White, man, and congratulations on all your success. And sure. I appreciate you coming on, man. Man, thank you very much. Right, enjoy the rest of the festival. Thank you, sir. All right, go get some sushi. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. Some some insights, some perspective, some proximity to one of the cats that is at the top of their game. Mm -hmm. um, super cool for me. I enjoyed meeting them. And we hope you like it too, guys. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.